0: Everybody, welcome once again to the Coaching Roundtable. I have my co-hosts, of course, Isabel and Daniel. How are you guys this week? I'm
1: fantastic. Excellent.
0: (laughs) Excellent. I'm lying. I I, I, I was about to say, that's got to be a lie from Isabel.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's a big, fat lie.
0: It's a big, fat lie. Now, do you want to explain that it's got nothing to do with your actual running, but everything to do with the coronavirus?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's to do with, you know, potential, well, probable lockdown and, um, you know, gyms will get shut down again. I've just gone back to work and I'm just loving life again and now it's all going pear-shaped. So, yeah, what can you do? Not a lot. What can
0: you do? The fact is, in this situation, it is outside your control. And as my wife would say, it's outside your control and you just need to forget about it. But uh, it's not Mm -hmm. that easy.
2: It's hard because it's about money, it's about living, it's about surviving, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, it's more yeah. than just 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 the gyms being shut. I mean, it's it's more than that.
0: Mm.
2: As in, those, it's my work.
0: And those poor folks mm. who are listening Bennett, on the uh, northern hemisphere, I'm sorry, you're probably still in your first wave, but it feels like we're having a second wave, even though they're not referring to it as that. They're just calling it a hiccup.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, a hiccup.
1: Yeah, right. So what are we doing Anyways. today, Ashley? Tell me. This, hey, what's we the story? we
0: are going to chat. Uh, I, I want to say that we were in the polar opposite here in Queensland on the weekend, and we had our first race event, I believe, of the mm-hmm. calendar, like physical race, not a virtual race, an actual race. And uh, I I managed so it, so which was excellent.
2: I saw that. And
0: yeah. I can tell you that everybody had huge smiles on their faces, and. I did. Uh, no one, like not a soul, was complaining about being at a race or that far into a race. Normally, you get a few unhappy people because we were the the furthest aid station. Normally, you get a few unhappy people, ha- you know, like they're they're struggling a little bit. But no, everyone just had a smile from ear to ear. The fact that they were out running,
1: so yeah, absolutely, and, and in, it was, in it that was camaraderie, awesome
0: to see. yeah, yeah, it was. It was a real camaraderie. Yeah, so. Yeah. um Basically, I was chatting with to uh, my CP3 fellow helpers about uh, delayed onset muscle soreness or DOMS and recovery uh, because, you know, this was the first race and it was going to be right. Well, how are these guys going to recover? Because a lot of them are going to back up in 17 days for the BVRT and then they're going to try and back up again 21 days later for the next race, which will be last one standing. So three events in a row.
1: Yeah, so yeah. A few inj- injured wow. people.
0: A few, yeah, well, it's it's a matter up. of avoiding injury.
1: <laughs>
0: hmm Um, and the two-ups marathon is is a mountain marathon. So you know we were on top of a ridge line, and they were going to run downhill and then back uphill up one ridge line, and then they ran another ridge line, and then they came back to us, and then they had to run back a bunch of up and downs again to get back to the start. So, uh, yeah, basically, just wanted to talk about what is DOMS and how to get over it and what it means for you and also how you train so that you're better adapted for the race you're going to do so you're less likely to get DOMS.
1: But not just DOMS. Right. But
0: not just Dom's. No, basically, well, we've, we've kind of worked out there's going to be more than that in this conversation because mm-hmm. off-air already we started a bit of a, a discussion where we disagreed with each other about things, which is excellent. That's exactly what you want when you listen to a podcast. Three yep. th- three people who all disagree, so you guys can all think yeah. about it yourselves, those listeners, which is excellent. That's what we want to create here, not just mind-numbing entertainment, but a bit of yeah. thought as well. <laughs>
1: No, we want to educate as well. So, shall we begin? Can you? Uh, so, w- how about we talk about what are uh, what are DOMs? Like m- many people might think it's to do with uh, pizza. I-, I do like the Dom- Domino's pizza when I'm in a um. A- no good. No good, no. But we're not going mm. down that path. It's not. A- I like <laughs> it when I'm um when it's when it's my probably my junk food of choice. You know, um. Well, wow. So we um but DOMS delayed onset muscle soreness you know
0: yes delayed it, onset muscle soreness
1: have you guys ever felt it of course yeah
2: bloody hell oh, yeah 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 but not for a long time
1: yeah okay what do you mean not not for a long time in well, terms well i of...
2: don't no just in general because you know i've been training for, like i just don't get it as much as i used to
1: yeah I,
2: I,
0: I would suggest that everybody at some point in their life, if they've done any form of exercise, to thorough enjoyment, whether that be running or tennis or riding a bike or even just throwing a rock across a pond as a kid, if you did that often enough and it was an infrequent activity that you did, you would have had soreness the next day. Yep. Now DOMS normally kind of hits you like 48 hours after an event, sometimes 24 hours after. When I say an event, like that overload of A activity all of a sudden. Um, And what DOMS actually is, is when you go out and exercise or when we do any physical activity, what has been worked out is we cause what's called a micro tear in the muscle, and a micro tear is fine because these little tiny tears, when we have sleep at night, and I'm pretty sure it's REM sleep, but someone can write in and correct me if someone's a sleep specialist and a muscle repair specialist, they can write in and correct me. It wouldn't be the first time I've been corrected. So uh, it's a, you have a REM sleep. And during the REM sleep, the body actually goes, oh, there was a tear there. And it actually comes in and repairs that tear. But it's not just that it repairs the tear plus reinforces it and makes it stronger. And so if we keep causing these little tiny tears, we get stronger and stronger and stronger. So we slowly get better adapted at doing a particular activity. Now, if we go way beyond, so let's say I spend all of my time running, which would be true. And I suddenly go swimming using my shoulders. Well, I'm probably going to get DOMS from swimming because I don't swim all the time, that's for sure. Um, And so that delayed onset muscle soreness is the tearing has become so much that the body has tried to repair but hasn't been able to repair everything at once. And a little bit of swelling has occurred or a lot of swelling has occurred within the muscle. And that creates pain because it causes um, the fascia to stretch. And you get a you get a nerve response, which is pain.
1: I think you've uh, that's a really good description of um, of what DOMS is. I think, um, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I I um to extend that is, you know, it's the times when I have felt it the worst is if I've I mean it was early in my ultra career, where uh, I call it a career, but anyway, um, is when when I was first getting into you know. St- trail running and steeper running you know like running up and down different terrains i noticed it a lot more i was like wow i'm much sore after a a trail run but um you also notice it going back the other way if you go down onto the flat and you haven't done it for a while i find um you really notice my calves are a lot sorer because those you know um it's just me but i think yeah it basically goes back to what you're saying about just activities that you know you haven't done for a while you're going to feel them and especially as we get older so I um, <clears throat> yeah, running is it's so heavily Influenced on your like it's your legs do so much work obviously, but um so but you have to especially when you're running on the trails you're doing a lot of different stuff And so I think that's where you really feel You know the there's a lot more all the muscles get a workout Case in point, before I hand over, my first ultra, the trail ultra, I can honestly say I felt like I'd been run over by a bus, yeah, I, because I had come from doing lots of flat running, then went out smashed a 56 kilometer run, legs were so sore for, I could barely walk for about three days, and then I could really feel that the, like it was so sore, and then the DOMs after just kept going for probably a good. 10 days it was it was the worst Cause I, keep in mind i did all the wrong things i didn't train properly for it so that's i'm sort of laying it out there have you guys had experience with uh, a similar experience in your running
0: yeah d- look out. i i i went out with a mate uh a good mate of mine we've been running and doing stupid things together since we were five years old so 42 odd years now um And we went out and we did a bunch of downhill running. We also went up the hill first. But the downhills, we decided, you know, we could pound it out and have a bit of fun uh, doing that. And I got DOMS from doing the downhill because of that. That And this was something that we were discussing off air, but that overextension, when you suddenly take the um, eccentric – contraction that actually correct. causes a greater tear in the muscle and you get doms the next day or it causes more tearing and yeah it i is, haven't yeah i haven't felt doms in probably i don't know six or seven or eight months and yeah this one session of of running downhill trails um as fast as we could because we had a smile from ear to ear and we were having a blast but yeah it hurt.
1: Yeah, um, Isabel. Yeah, I mean, I think downhill's can cause a lot of damage. How about you, Isabel? When, like, when have you experienced DOMS? We're we'll do, sticking with DOMS for now.
2: Well, mainly when I've done, you know, trail runs, but generally when I'm racing, when I've done a lot of hills. But I, yeah, I find it's more it's the downhill's that um that get me from running hard downhill. So, and yeah. and that's the thing. When you're doing a or although you get DOMs, it's not the same as doing a fast, say, 30 hilly 30k, where you're running that much harder. So you'll get more yeah. DOMs in the 30k, to my mind, do you know? Yeah. For that reason? Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, <clears throat> do you, okay, so I guess we'll get into, uh, before, I think we'll stick with DOMs for a little while, because I think there's a few things we can talk about, and then we'll move on to the other effects of, of how of recovering, sort of the bigger picture of recovering um, mm. from from races. And one of the things I think with DOMS is after, especially after a race, like if, if you're doing, a say, a 50-kilometre training run on trail, which is not unheard of for people like Isabel, um, and, um, you know, go out and just do a cheeky 50 on the weekend, um, you're less likely to be sore after that because you're not racing, and because when you're racing, you're leaving it yeah. all out there. You, you're just, you're just like, I'm, my legs are hurting, but I'm going to keep pushing. But if it was a, if it was a long training run, you'd be pulling back, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And so, um, I think, um, it's important to note that, I, but I mean, people get, I find when people get DOMs in training, and this is the question I want for you both. I, I often say you're working too hard if you're getting DOMs consistently yes. in training you
0: know Um, i totally agree with that if you're getting doms in training you have either just taken on a new block of training and you haven't adapted yet but if you are halfway through a block of training and you're still getting doms then the training block is probably too difficult
1: yeah you're doing you're going you're working too hard and yeah you might be doing too much i think um so yeah that i think that's you know the old philosophy, no pain, no gain. I'm, I'm mm. against that. I'm against that philosophy for the most part as a coach. I'm, um, I've heard it said by a number of um, elite coaches, and there's no, no pain. I think um, Stephen Siler may have said it, who is the, uh, you know, the godfather of that sort of eighty twenty philosophy, and he's, I think, it's no pain, no gain, no brain. So, if you're training. <laughs> With a, with a no gain, no no pain, no gain philosophy, you're not using your brain, and so um, yeah. yeah. So, but I guess the big question is, how do we deal with it? Because when we race, we want to go hard, and we want to we do want to leave it all out there. Um, so, how do we deal with it, Ashley, Isabel, listeners?
0: <laughs> so for for me, um, and this was a discussion point that I was having on the weekend.
1: Yes. I think we've lost Ashley there. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. We'll, we'll carry really on. must be a very
2: conversation. It's
1: okay. We'll, we'll so see. what do you do for Doms then, Daniel? Oh, for, me, for me, what I'm really sure, and I think you and I have a similar philosophy on this, is um, yeah. I um, will, after a big race, I love a warm bath. I know it sounds crazy. But, yes, you know, it's mean, I mean, exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. I can't, I've tried having the cold, you know, I wouldn't say full on no. ice baths, but I, I've had fairly cold baths. And yeah. I don't, I mean, they don't feel good. They're not enjoyable. And I, I think the evidence is negligible as well. So, well, I um, think that, that, that um, they
2: actually are harmful having cold, to be honest. So that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, and they, in reading that good-to-go um, book, it does say that, yes, it can lead to injuries because you're shortening the muscle fibres. You're, I mean, you're doing everything the opposite to what the
1: muscles want to do. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. We'll push on um, until Ashley sorts out some technical issues. Yeah, and no, I've,
0: I think I've sorted I, out the technical issues.
1: Oh, good job.
0: So I've been having these technical issues oof, like the last three days where all of a sudden the internet here is just cutting out and i think everybody's just jumping back on the internet for whatever reason
1: yeah um yeah okay that's good you got it sorted but so yeah further what you're saying about the warm bath isabel yeah so um in that book you read
2: Yes, and,
1: and, yep, yeah, Schwanden. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just that's on your podcast, so there's a bit of cross promotion. Um, what's it called again? Peak endurance <laughs> podcast. Peak endurance. You yeah, definitely worth a listen. Um, but so she looked at the uh, evidence of, of the cold ice baths versus like a warm bath, and uh, as well, didn't yeah. she? And do you like what sort yeah, of? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, just from
2: uh, you know because warmth. Um, increases blood flow, and um, and that's everything that you want for muscles to repair. You yes. don't want blood flow to be stopped. And swelling actually is a, is a mechanism for things to repair. Um, if you stop the swelling completely, then the, the blood can't get through, repair can't happen, and, yeah, so it's not actually good for you.
1: No. Okay. Interesting. And it's really unenjoyable. I mean I see it, I see it all the time, yeah. people jumping into these ice. Parks. Really on Yeah. yeah. Um, so and I am um, further to that point, I can't remember the the book I read, but it was a few years ago, and they talked about instead of rice, as in rest, ice, compression, elevation for injuries or even DOMS, they talked about elevate or E C M, which is elevate, compress move. And as a better form of – so, you know, if you say you have got like a, say a soft tissue injury, which is essentially what DOMS is in a very minor way, um, if you elevate your legs, feels good, it's, um, and compress it with a compression bandage, and then try and, and move, get the blood flowing. So recovery walking and recovery jogs. Like, what do you think, Ashley?
0: Look, I totally agree with that. Um, I think the, the whole ice thing is for an acute injury in a very short period of time, Yeah. but for anything longer than a yes, very I short agree. period, mm-hmm. then it needs to be about moving. And the fact is like I've had a lot of surgeries um, due to cancer and yep. the very first thing that they do post surgery is they give you a little while um lying down as such but then the first thing they want you to do is get up and start moving again because they know that if you're moving you're getting better yeah and that is about making the whole circulation system of the body work because if you're just lying around it stuff is deteriorating but they don't ask you to do you know post-surgery they don't ask you to go for a run they certainly don't ask you to go for a sprint they just yeah. want you to move. And those exercises can literally be sitting on the edge of the bed. They can be, you know, just walking around the hallway once. Um, but it's a, it's a matter of getting that little bit of movement done, even if it is, you know, post a big run. It feels like hobbling. Um, but it's a matter of getting that hobbling done until it feels a little bit more fluid. And as soon as it starts to feel fluid, that's, that's enough. And then the next day you do a little bit more and would, then a little bit more. What would you
2: say about, say, um, swimming for, for dons?
0: Well, I think taking the weight off the body and allowing the body to completely move freely is excellent. Yeah.
2: That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, what I think, because I think swimming is, like if it's too sore to walk and sometimes then, you know, you can cause other issues by hobbling, um, swimming can be really good.
0: Yeah. yeah I, don't, I, I, think that, I think being suspended in water, and that's what it is, you're suspended, and having yeah. that, that pressure on you and just going, you know, we're not talking about swimming laps at a certain velocity. We're talking about just no. going for a, a swim where you're moving your entire body kind of weirdly compared with mm-hmm. how you would be when you're on land. Um, yeah. I think that that's brilliant because that gets all that lymphatic fluid moving through the sore tissue and therefore, you know, the tissue gets new oxygen and is able to repair
1: yeah, that's yeah, it's pretty. That's really good. Um, I I think um some good advice, and we I think we're sort of getting into that full on um the bigger picture recovery as well. well. I wanted to ask you both. Let's pretend that we all ran a race yesterday. Um, let's all say we ran a hundred mile race and we flogged our bodies yesterday. Well, for the next, I want I would like to to share our ideas of what we would do to recover over the next week to two weeks. Oh, um, I'll, uh, I'll start, how's that? And I'll give you guys some thinking time, is yeah. that sound good? Yeah, so yep. if we ran yesterday, today I would go for a, a 20 minute walk and then I would rest for the next two days. So the walk would be to stop me, like even though I would resist that urge to sleep all day, don't get me wrong. I probably would sleep a lot, but I would get up and make sure I am a little bit active for no more than 20 minutes, and then I would. But no running at all. Wouldn't even think about it. And then I would sleep and eat like a horse. Plenty of protein. Yep. Plenty of plenty of fluid. Plenty of um just nutritious food. And then I what I would essentially do is you know the reverse taper. So I would gradually build myself back up over. Two to four weeks. I mean, I said 100 miles. I've never done a 100-miler, as you guys know. So for 100K, this is what I would do. Um, it's probably the time frame just probably goes out a, b- a little bit longer for the 100-miler. But I would expect to be back to normal mileage maybe after about a month. Um, but a, a, build, a slow build-up over several weeks. So that's a very rough overview. And I'd put no intensity in for at least four weeks just easy jogging, walking, and plenty, and extra rest days, assuming there's no major injuries. How about you guys? Um, we've got yeah, Isabel.
2: I, yeah, that sounds about what I would do, is I would, um, you know, um, yeah, just, just do something really easy the next day uh, after the race, and um, then I would, um, yeah, I would have a week off, no exercise, definitely. And then after that, like, just no exercise, just... Yep. And, like um, just-, and just get up. Yep. And then um, I would, um, you know, just be walking probably for the week after that, just going for walks and maybe swims. And then, um, you know, yoga and that sort of stuff. And then after that, I would do a run every second day, but just easy, nothing very long, like probably you know, six to eight Ks with no structure, just easy, easy pace. And I would have, a, you know, ending up being a full month of just very easy and then slowly, yeah, reverse tapering back into the training.
1: Excellent. Yeah, you, I think you take a little bit more um, date, downtime. Well, time,
2: is, is, a long, is longer, so you need more. Yes, yeah, absolutely.
1: After a month. Yeah. Now, what about you, Ashley? What's your uh, – Philosophy, philosophy.
0: Okay, so for, for me, I, I'd i be eating like a horse because I'd definitely be calorie deficient. So um, I can tell you that I'd be downing lots of uh, my favourite food post those things, which is mashed potato. So yep. I will have had mashed potato with eggs and then I will have had mashed potato with salad and I would have probably had mashed potato with a piece of freshly cooked salmon uh, pretty much mashed potato with everything. That'd be for a good 48 hours, and then I start to back off the mashed potatoes so that I don't rapidly gain weight. What about
1: um, pro- protein? There's not a lot of protein in mashed potatoes. I no,
0: be- no, but I just, I just need those calories back in the body so I don't feel like I'm starving. Yeah. I would be walking a lot. For the first week, there would be pretty much no running. And when I say no running, I'd be doing walk, jog, walk. But my jogs would probably be 200 metres or 300 metres in an hour's walk. You know, not massive amounts, but just enough to get the legs kind of moving beyond a normal walking stride so that I've got a little bit more stride length. But I wouldn't be doing more than an hour a day. And the biggest problem that I find with that post an event is I need to fill in the black hole of time that I've created because I'm not training my normal number of hours. So I would train between 13 and 25 hours a week on average. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm only doing seven hours and I've got this 16 hour or 17 hour void and I need to fill that. Otherwise it really plays with me mentally. So you know, like I need to have picked up a good book because I'm a slow reader. I'm not a, certainly not a fast reader. Uh, so, you know, I pick up a good book that I'm yeah. reading or I need to have planned out to meet up with friends for cough, stuff that I wouldn't normally have in my week or that couple of months. I have to fill that time so that I don't end up sending myself down a dark rabbit hole of going, oh, I'm not training, I'm not training, and trying to go out early to train, which will result in an injury. And honestly, I take six to eight weeks of recovery to get back up to that training load. And I do exactly the same thing. It is that whole negative thing. But a a good solid week of no running, Um, I'll go bike riding, and I'll go swimming, Um, lots and lots of walking, the, the first thing that I do is actually grab out my camera, which, you know, I do anyway, but I, I, I take like 10 times as many shots and I always take the camera so that it's in my hand in many ways so that I can't run because I cannot run with an SLR in my hand. No. So, you know, it's slow, it, it immediately makes me, I've got to walk and actually smell the roses today. And But yeah, it's it's that void time that I find the biggest hassle is yeah host an event is yeah, having to feel good I that, don't that
2: whole. I just um it's it's nice it's nice having some spare time mm. to just to just do nothing and to just you know it's good to sometimes just do nothing like not
1: yeah.
2: like actually have unstructured time i think it's really healthy for the mind um yeah to not feel hobbits. under pressure to always be doing something
1: Yes. Well,
2: I would I like that for about a week.
1: Just in nothing. That. Just nothing. Yeah. I, I yeah, think but, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a bit like you, Isabel. I do. I like to just, if I'm like, if I've, if I've absolutely spent myself, I do like to just go, I'm not doing anything for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I think it's a, really healthy. But I do see it in a lot of people who I've coached, they need structure all the time and coming out of it. And I quite yeah. often, and so, but I think it's important to, okay. So structure in downtime and some people, um, need that. Okay. So maybe they need to, yeah. Um, okay. So over the next say three weeks, they're going to read three books or they're going to write a race, a race report or, you know, actually there's investing time in a different way, you know, like, um, and so also just, or, you know, go out and do um yeah do some hiking if you' if, i mean but very easy but oh, yeah i would keep it as, as non-physical as possible you know that's the opportunity binge those Netflix shows you've been thinking about binging you know go binge an entire yeah. series and so I think it's really important to prioritize rest and recovery if you want to keep doing this sport for any, for a long time um because uh, obviously one of the things i've noticed with people is, after a race, they're really they're eager to get back into it because they're so worried they're gonna lose fitness really quickly. and um, yes. they, and so they jump back in too soon. So I, as a coach, I'm more willing to let them to structure their their entry into to running um, so that they're not overdoing it. at least then they're following like a plan of attack for returning to it, and even if it includes lots of walking, but um, yeah, it's it's a hard balancing act, and because that's the thing, I, I look at a race also. Like you can, you gain. So there's so much that you gain from a race physically, but it definitely depletes you probably more. And um, you can, I mean, you can come out of. I'm sure you both have this, where you've done one race, and then the next race might be a few months later or whatever, and you really notice the difference of doing that first race has really helped you to prepare for the next race. It might be mentally prepared or physically prepare, but there's, there is an overabundance of races. Well, I mean, outside of this, uh, as Ashley calls it, the Coronaverse, there's usually been an overabundance of races and it's really hard. You know, people want to do all of them because they get FOMO. And so mm. I, I, um, yeah, I think I, you've got to I your races.
2: People over race. I think people do too much. I agree. And, And um, I think recovery is not, especially amongst ultra runners, it seems to be, is not respected enough. we seem to think we can just keep racing weekend after weekend and uh, or, you know, month after month. And it's just it's it's not good for you physically, but it's also not good for you mentally, the pressure of racing and. And like I said, I honestly believe there is a lot of value in just doing nothing. In today's society, nobody sits around and does nothing anymore. We're either on our phone, we're looking at a screen, we're doing this, we're doing... You know what? It's actually really healthy to do nothing. Yes. And just, and I'm not even talking meditation, but just, just empty the mind and just be, just look out the window or whatever it is, but don't feel the yeah. need to fill every moment with productive with productivity like sometimes it's good to just chill
1: yeah and there's another aspect to recovery i could not agree more isabel we're supposed to be arguing on this but we're 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 finding too many too much well maybe we'll too much
0: there's too much correlation here yeah
1: there is but there's if there are other areas it's not just your muscles that need to recover um your gastrointestinal tract yeah needs to recover um there are I'm actually I've been reading an article for the last or for a bit of this morning, which I will I'll put a link to it. It's an academic article um, about uh, essentially the title of the article is. Um, hang on a second, I'll go back to the top because I do have it in front of me. Uh, but anyway, it's about exactly what we're talking about, obviously, because I do like to do a little bit of research. Um, but, Who's it about? Um, it's a. Oh, it's published by. The US National uh, it's in the US National Library of Medicine. Um, uh-huh. but it's essentially it's physiology and pathophysiology in ultra marathon running. And it, it doesn't it look yeah. it's but it's fascinating. I mean I haven't gone right through the, the depths of it, but a lot of it is um talking about what we're talking about, but giving our internal organs a break. And also yes. like think about where you are when you're out when you're running an ultra marathon. And I'm talking even 50Ks, um, you might be out in the sun for most of the day, you know. Mm. So exposure is a huge issue in, in ultra running, you know. that. Or you could have been in the cold and the rain, you know, like yeah, that hasn't affected you. You've got to recover from that. And you don't, even though your core temperature might re- return to normal within an hour or two after a run, it, it's a huge amount of stress that's added to your body. You know what I mean? Like, and I always feel like every ultra that I do has some kind of extreme weather event. I don't know, just maybe lately, but um, I've had some kind of either like pelting rain, freezing cold, or, or um, you know, or extreme heat. And and so they they take so much more out of you. So you allow um that to. Uh, what's it, you allow your body to recover from that so it's nothing more than time you know uh, yes. th- and with the with, with your GI there um, I lost the percentage there's just a, an alarming number of ultramarathon runners have reported and this is gross but it's a really important thing to know about reported um, gastrointestinal blood you know um, after <laughs> after a big run so as in you know blood coming out the back end you know, in the, the days <laughs> afterwards. Well, no, yeah. Yes. No one wants that. I, I mean, it, that's a whole, I'm not a medical professional. Once I pick this article apart, I'll put some, I'll, I'll, I'll highlight some, some key points and put it on the, um, the coaching roundtable page and people can have a look at and I'll put a link to the article, but really interesting. And sort of, so thinking about recovery. So like the psychological side of it's super important. The muscular side is important. But yeah, what's happening to your internal organs is really important as well. You know? So And also
2: just oh, your whole endocrine system and everything, like it's it's stressful on the body. It just needs to recover. And people just they're so terrified of losing fitness. Yeah. They jump straight back into it and you
1: just need to recover. Yes. Yes. would not agree more. Now I wanna I wanna throw the cat amongst the pigeons here and bring up the oh the topic that ashley's mentioned before because we you know um about the 100 mile race Ashley. before we started recording you brought something interesting up
0: uh, uh well my my thoughts are that anyone can go out and run 100 miles today
1: mm-hmm. anyone
0: anyone you know, okay.
1: you, out, you know what if you go out no,
0: right I and you are determined enough
1: the if you finish
0: a hundred mile race. It will hurt. You will suffer. But nah. it is within a human's capability to finish a one hundred mile event.
1: Um. Okay. So Isabel. I'll, I'll, no I, time.
0: No time limit.
2: Yeah. No. I mean, I just I know people within my life that there is no way they would finish 100 miles walking.
1: No. Have you got any caveats, Ashley? So I I do – I sort of get where you're coming from. So you're talking like I could just walk up to an average-looking guy on the street, and I said, you'd have to come and run 100 miles right now. Gun to your head. You've got all day and all night, and you think they could do it? I do. Okay, interesting. Under
0: their head might not be the right way. You might want to motivate them with a million dollars at the end of it.
1: There you go. Um, oh, well, fair enough. That's... You know,
0: a bit of carrot rather than stick. But, <laughs> that I, I do think that the human body is capable of withstanding that sort of thing once.
1: Hmm. they definitely repeating not do it.
0: it. Yeah. You know, that's a little bit harder. Um, doing it in a fast time. Well, that's harder again. And I, I really do believe that ultra running is an exercise in management it's not an exercise in the actual distance and so that's why i was chatting earlier about stride length if you want to go fast in running you spend as little time as possible on the ground and as much time as possible in the air Mm -hmm. but that results in an extreme amount of damage to the muscle compared with walking where you spend a lot of time on the ground and very little time ever without part of your body in contact with the ground. And so, so ultra running is about managing that damage and hence DOMS or the swelling or the, you know, the bleeding of the gastrointestinal tract. Um, It's, about managing that. And if you can come up with constant solutions, so if, you, if you're if you a problem solver, I think you can be an ultra runner. And the better you are at solving problems, probably the further you can go and the faster you can complete that exercise in. That is my thoughts.
1: Isabel? I, I, well, I think you framed I, it a bit yeah.
2: better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just don't think that, Anybody, because firstly, a not everybody has a desire to, yeah, and um, and thus their mind will stop them. They have to have um, the
1: desire to do it, obviously.
2: Yeah, you said anyone, but I've, I actually, mean, not any, so anybody I've, with the
0: desire to do it, let's change it to that,
1: yeah, fair enough. But I've desi- I've DNF'd from races with when I've had an incredible desire you know, to finish. Yeah. And, and oh, I'm, a, I'm a reasonably good runner. You know what okay, I mean? Okay, like, so my
0: question is, what did you mismanage that resulted in the DNF?
1: Yeah, oh, look, I, probably a number of things. I, you're you you're right. I, um, but, it's, um, but that's sort of a side issue, the management side to what you had, your initial, um, what's it called, initial premise of anybody. So my, my
0: premise is it's not about the distance. It's actually about the management of the distance. So, for example, in, if, you, if you go out hard, you're causing an, an immense amount of damage to the body. Yeah. You will then get swelling, and the body will naturally stop you because your legs have swollen. And that's why you get the drop-off in pace at the end of any running event. Yeah. It's actually damage that you've caused, and that's what causes the drop-off in pace. Yeah. So if you yeah. can manage that from the start, so if, if you start a 100-mile race and go, actually, I'm not going to go beyond five kilometres an hour, yeah. I'm just going to travel at that pace because that will cause the least possible damage, you're much more likely to get further. It's it's the tortoise and hare type scenario. Yeah. And, I, and I really don't think, you know, it's it's when you go in there with the the attitude, well, I'm going to finish this race in 14 and a half hours, and it's a 100-mile event. Well, guess what? You have to be, one, pretty naturally gifted. Two, you have to have trained and be in peak condition on that day. And I'm talking about the other end where, you know, I'm talking about the back of the Packers who are going, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Well, the answer is yes, you can if you manage everything properly. And you've, you know, you've gone through all of the event beforehand and, and practiced every possible scenario that's going to go wrong. You won't be able to practice them all, but you've practiced everything you can think of, plus a whole bunch that you've either read about, or spoken to your coach about, or whatever. So that you can overcome the problem and and stay out there. Ultra running is about staying out there. And your thing with um, you know extreme weather events. The fact is, if there's an extreme weather event outside, like this morning, you know it was minus one degree outside. Well, guess what? I didn't go out and go running when it was minus one because I didn't have to. I stayed inside in the, in the heater. Yeah. Um, and that's what a human naturally does. So I didn't feel that extreme weather event. But in a race, I've got no choice. I have to be out in that extreme weather event to complete the race. Get a jacket. And yeah. that's why you think, oh, there's more extreme weather events. But yeah. no, there's not. It's just you've got to be out there. So you are exposed to it all. And when you're exposed to the well, of Well, personally, stuff,
2: we... I choose to train in the extreme weather as well.
1: Yeah, because that toughens you up, doesn't it? Yep. Like, do you, mentally, do you think? Um, and physically. Yeah. I'm it not. gets you used to it. How can you test your gear
2: and, you know? Yeah. So many things. I guess. And that's you can't, that. once again, yeah. you can't choose what the weather's going to be like on race day. But that's a whole another kettle of fish, so.
1: Yeah. But I, I take your My point, thing, Ashley. I, I
2: wouldn't say
1: I, um, it would be interesting to get – to make for a good reality TV show to get some willing participants who do not have – and see 100 no training background, 100 miles, a $1 million dollars at the finish line. Um, that Survivor. A, that's
0: that's Survivor, Survivor
1: Ultra. Survivor Ultra. There you go. There yeah, it would be pretty interesting. I um, So, no, I do I, – I like the – I do enjoy a thought experiment like this where you sort of – Throw out this, we throw out this potentially, like I guess, almost sounds absurd at first, but you know it does. It really puts it into to frame about controlling what you can control, and managing what you can't control as best you can. And that's yeah, it's preparation, isn't it? So yeah, yeah it, good job. It didn't get anywhere near as heated as I wanted it to get. So <laughs> So what I wanted
0: to talk about earlier was stride length. Yes. with doms and that yeah. is in an ultra the more time that you contact the ground so if the, the message that i want to get out there is if you try and overstride, you create bigger damage yeah sure you're going faster but the end of the result will be that you will slow down towards the end of the race so yep. you know if you can if it ta- if, if it normally takes you two steps in an ultra you want to make it take three yep because you will just reduce the amount of damage that you're doing to your body and if you reduce the amount of damage, that's a management control and allows you to finish a race.
1: Yeah, fair enough.
0: And the, the more training you do, of course, and it's, the less likely, you know, the, well, the more adapted you are,
1: yeah, the stronger looking,
0: your body is.
1: It's finding that optimal point, that sweet spot of your training, you know. I, I always think about that, you know, because if more miles in training equals greater success – it doesn't mean an infinite number of miles is going to mean an infinite amount of success, you know. We can overdose on everything, and we, you've got to be careful not to overdose on water or overdose on Panadol. You know, two Panadols, fantastic. Take, get rid of your headache. You know, 20 Panadols, not a good idea, <laughs> you know? oh,
0: Yeah, that, that's a surefire yeah. way for a trip yeah. to a hospital and a
1: yeah. stomach
0: you, pump and maybe sure death.
1: Get, get my point, though. <laughs> so if i if i if someone who's gone from running fifty kilometers a week and they've gradually sensibly stepped up to hundred kilometers a week guaranteed they're going to see an increase in performance, but if they step then go okay well, if I've improved that much um maybe if I run two hundred kilometers a week i'm going to see double their performance again, but the thing is there's a you get to that it's getting to that point of diminishing returns and not going any further don't go into that realm of do you know what i'm saying like with your training so yes. like, and i experienced that because as you know how i did just finish the uh, my calendar thing last week where i did you know a kilometer for whatever day of the month i dare say i stepped into the realms of um going i went a little bit past the point of uh, diminishing returns because i've pulled up a little bit with a bit of, a little bit of shin splints which i haven't had in years and uh, on one side and so I've taken it really easy this week. And I sort of think, well, that's put me out of action. So I've over essentially, I mean, this was a challenge that I took on. And I, and I was going to finish it no matter what. So it had the mindset of a race. I had the racing mindset during this challenge. But um, you've got to be careful not to have a racing mindset in your training all the time, you know, um, because then you end up injured. And so I, I guess what I would call now, what I have is like a little niggle. So I'm just taking a, a step back. But it's okay. But yeah. So anyway, that's my little bit. But yeah.
0: So here's a question for both of you. How do you believe that you can get to peak physical fitness? Because everyone wants to get to peak physical fitness and then they just want to hold it there. Do you believe that you can actually get there and just keep holding it? Or is the human body designed to get to peak fitness and then drop dramatically and then rebuild again to peak fitness?
2: It doesn't need to drop dramatically, but it can't maintain absolute peak for no. extended periods of time.
1: Yeah, I agree. You can stay very fit. and yeah. Have a, you know, but if you want to peak, you know, there's there's a way to do it. You know, they've done. Yeah. And you can only they reckon you can only I mean, peak a few times. It's not a peak
2: if it's where if it's a peak is by nature of the the description of the word like a point a top you can't it's not a peak if you're there constantly that's that's a plateau so um exactly. you know you can't peak forever it's just it's not it's
1: yeah, it, yeah. You, you'll
2: burn out trying to maintain that
1: but i think that's i mean you look at like your elite athletes uh at the olympic games you know many of them were probably very getting very close to their to peaking for the 2020 olympics mm-hmm. and then they've that's been um, postponed for 12 months so very frustrating because yep. the amount of work that goes into like it's they're going there's a lot of detail in what they're well, doing
2: well i've had to um de-bird and de-train
1: yeah. to
2: build up again because they cannot maintain that peak level for that long they'll just yeah. burn out yeah
1: here's a, here's a side question then for both of you do you think we'll see more world records at the next olympics or less because of the way The things have changed assuming it goes ahead in 2021 um because i i've thought that i actually think that it will force athletes to to back off refocus on their base training that plateau and building that plateau um or do you think people will be too um out of the swing of international competition to break records
2: i think they might be fresher yeah. You know, because they haven't burnt out on all the smaller competitions, um, you know, psychologically and physically. And um, you know, I think it'll be interesting. I, I think you're you're it's good to bring this up because I hadn't really thought about that, but I think it'll be really interesting to see the difference.
1: Yeah. Well, you- I think you'll get
0: I think you'll get different people, people who you didn't expect to win winning.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: That'd be exciting.
2: People who've yeah. coped with all of this better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I um <clears throat> no I I've always thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Just a moment. Mm.
2: Can you
0: hear my dog?
1: Is that your dog? Yeah. What you <laughs> a-
2: doing to it? He's,
0: he's, he's. not doing anything to it. He's asleep and dreaming.
2: I don't oh. know what, he, don't know oh, what hey he's hey dreaming you. about,
0: but he's um <laughs> he's obviously doing Chasing something.
2: Chasing bunnies across the paddock.
0: I, I dare say, he is he hasn't quite got the running legs going yet, but he's definitely <laughs> off with the
2: fairies. <laughs> hmm. Where, where did Daniel go? I'm not sure where Daniel went. He, he thought, went
0: to
1: deal with. I his thought his
2: he. Dog. I thought it must be his dog, and he was going to go do something with the dog. But no, clearly...
0: no, that's that's my dog. So.
1: I just had some <laughs> technical issues, and I'm back. Don't worry. Don't send out the search party. So excellent. All
2: right, we weren't going to. That's okay.
1: Um, yes. So carry on. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the, the power of the live. It's live in a sense, isn't it? We've, it is live uh, in a sense. Yes.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> so, my, my thoughts are that um, Doms, DOMS is you've got to recover properly after a race. You've got to realize that you cannot hold peak fitness the entire year round. You actually have to have time off. The other thing is if you try to hold. Peak fitness, you're actually going to suffer. I think you suffer mental burnout before you suffer physical burnout,
1: yeah. or you'll suffer great.
0: physical burnout, which will cause mental burnout. Because you go, yeah. oh, I'm, if I just run harder today, I'll I'll come back up. Uh, no, no, you, you mm. actually yeah. sometimes have to let the body rest. Um, and I also think that we need to have that old four-letter word lives, yeah. than just yeah. ultra running. Um,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: So is that if, for example, you start to deteriorate in ultra running because you, you know, you built up to a peak, that peak occurred and then your body's going, oh, I need to rest. You don't try to keep peaking. You go, oh, hang on, actually doing, I I am also an author or I am also this or that. Your entire focus Mm. in life Mm. is not just the one thing, which is, you know, running in this situation
1: um yeah absolutely can i just uh, something that i wanted to mention at the start of the podcast and it, uh, i missed it and we got um too into into it but um and overtraining or trying to peak or whatever or doms it sort of all feeds into the idea of decoupling and you guys from either of you heard the term decoupling i've heard it's the term pretty, that you
0: better explain it
1: so basically decoupling is basically it could be a symptom of your poor aerobic endurance and it um and can throw off your training. It's essentially when uh, your heart rate starts to drift away from the pace that you've been maintaining in workouts. If your heart rate drifts and it becomes decoupled. The point at which your heart rate decouples can tell you if your body's ready to advance to the next stage of training or take a break. Does that make some sort of sense? It's very yes, common. Yes,
0: it does. Mine, mine it, decouples all the time, but that's, yeah. what, that's totally different. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, and so it's something that um, it's, getting, again, it's getting right down into the weeds of um, of like your heart rate variability training and heart rate training. So we won't go right into what maybe it could be a topic we could go into detail yeah. in a future week. Yeah, but, I, I, think that- but it, I just wanted to throw the term out there because it's something people can Google and there are some really interesting articles out there. I will find a well-researched article to add to mm-hmm. the to link um, on the page, um, and but also the article I was looking at I uh, mentioned earlier, and so yeah, so that's I guess we've um, we've covered a fair bit there.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's time to wrap it up.
1: Wrap yeah, wrap, wrap it up. And um, yep. any uh, any housekeeping, any any news from for people running news? Any more? So you have got any races? Well, gonna...
2: well, I have to admit while we're on the call, I got a message from a friend. There, uh, we're having in five minutes uh and they're going to probably put us down into lockdown again oh, oh lovely
1: the whole what, state what of victoria a, what, a, what a lovely way to all yep. oh, right Yeah,
2: so there you go my my wildest dreams have come true again
1: it, well that's it, that's um, gonna suck it's gonna be yep. it's let's reframe our thinking it's not you're yeah. gonna be okay you're well, I, I can yeah. tell you
0: something that was interesting on the weekend um, and I don't know whether this is going to be true for all races, but at, uh, certainly this was the, uh, COVID way of dealing with this particular race, which was the, the two up, um, there was no fresh food yep. at the aid station. So there was no mm-hmm. sandwiches, yes. there was no, yes, um, that, that's um, banana, et cetera, et cetera, Everything had yep. to be in a packet, um, Which meant a few things. One, I spent a good 15 minutes, and this is due to the wind. It wasn't due to the the contestants um, because they did a marvellous job of putting stuff in the bin. It's just the bin decided to blow away. Mm -hmm. Um, But I spent a good half an hour picking up all the rubbish afterwards and all the little tiny bits that got torn off. You know, when you open a packet and the little corner tears off. So Yeah. yeah, I spent ages hunting through the National Park to make sure we didn't leave anything behind. Good day. But we also got a heap of runners, you know, who had got to 26 kilometres, which was where we were first visited because they'd visit us three times. And they'd go, oh, <laughs> have you got some banana or have you got some... And again, no, nah, haven't got any of that. You can either have, you know, whatever's in the packet there or whatever drink is in the can there or whatever drink is in the bottle there. And that's it. And a lot of people suddenly went, oh. So for those people who are luckily in the position of not about to be re-locked down, but are actually going to compete in events, if you're used to visiting an aid station and getting fresh food, you now have to carry it. Or at least read the fine print in the race details before you start the race, so you know what you can and can't get at an aid station.
1: Yep. Because Corona everything birth- has changed. That's actually career. That's actually his coronavirus um, rant. Uh, coronavirus ad- advice. Advice, <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Race advice. All righty.
1: Okay, virus. Isabel. Well, good luck with your with everything. Um, yeah. I hope that you, so you you've got to go and do some running, or go and um, rob some banks, or something. Well,
2: that's all I'm going to be able to do for the next whoever knows how long.
1: It, yeah. Well, I just want you to be well, and we're you know we're all only a phone call away, or a Skype call away. So yeah. <laughs> Yes. All right. All All righty. Make sure you message
0: Isabel with some support.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Take care. And we'll see you all
2: next week. Yes, indeed. Goodbye.